Welcome to the Redacted Recover Your Mind podcast. During, During this, this podcast, podcast you'll, you'll hear things that will scare you, intrigue you, and make you doubt reality. But I assure you, none of this is made up for propaganda. This is where reality draws the truth. Broadcasting from a secure location in Traverse City, Michigan. This is the Redacted Recover Your Mind Podcast. Here's your host, Mitchell O'Brien. Welcome back to Redacted, everybody. I'm Mitchell, and today I have our reoccurring guest host, Lucas O'Brien. And we're going to go over a few things. We, we kind of left off last time on dreams, visions, astral projections, stuff like that. We just didn't get to, to, to cover it all. Um, we don't want to sit here and, and put out three-hour uh, publications for you guys. So figured that we would save some for today. But before we get into that, Lucas, how have you been doing? Hi, Mitchell. It's good to hear from you again. I feel like I should talk like that because the new intro, you know, it sounds kind of like Batman. So uh, I'm not very good at that. But. I didn't acknowledge the new <laughs> intro, but I feel, I mean, I feel a little more professional with like this professional like intro. It, it's it's exciting, but yeah, it's kind of nice to, to have something a little more put together, and it introduces you well. And yeah, maybe I'll get one for you someday. <laughs> You said though before we got on here that you had something close to the close to the heart that you wanted to share. Yeah, I have something very very important that I was reminded of today that I'm very passionate about, and it also really really upsets me on the other side of this this issue. And so I'm going to rant about it for a minute. I brought it up on the show before. It's a very very important thing, and that's ducks. Ducks with a bill. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. And they're underappreciated. And it very much upsets me that people don't appreciate ducks. And everybody likes chickens. And they've got pictures of chickens. There's chickens on everything. You can buy metal chickens put in your yard and crap like that. Everybody thinks chickens are great. But chickens are homicidal little creatures of terror. If you've actually ever raised them, which I have, they will eat each other alive. But ducks won't. Ducks are sweet little jolly creatures that just like bob around the yard and they're super cute. And I think they're highly underappreciated. I, I was I bring this up just because I like two hours ago, just before dark, I went for a walk around a lake that I, I walk around occasionally. And there's like this little like grotto area on the one side, a little bridge over it um, that separates it from the main lake. And I thought I heard ducks coming around the corner and I walk up and I look to my right and I'm like, there's like 40 ducks over here. <laughs> and they were, they were like all over the place, three different species of them, just like chilling, splashing around, flying around. Like I'm like, I've never seen this many ducks in one place before. Um, and then I got halfway around the other side of the lake and they all flew to the side of the lake that I was on at that point. Nice. And I just felt seen by the, creator because i like ducks and he knows that <laughs> i always take a moment to appreciate the ducks when i see him 
just be, I, I think it's because I used to feed them. You know, we would go feed them when we were kids before it was legal everywhere. Yeah. Um, feed them um, bread scraps and stuff. It's probably as the quality of bread went down, they're like, and yeah, I can't feed that wild animals. We can only feed that to humans. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. So back, back when bread was real, we were allowed to feed it to the ducks. <laughs> Not anymore. Um, but yeah, that's my silly rant I have for everyone today is go appreciate some ducks. See uh, chickens for the evil murderers that they are. Um, they make great nuggets. They're not great friends. Ducks are better than friends. <laughs> All the service announcements. I, what I imagined in my head when you said you heard this many ducks was like a, a rumbling of quacks that you could feel in your chest. An infrasound. Like that's that's what I and then you turn around and there's just this pile and block of multi species ducks and they followed you around. Um It wasn't quite infrasound. It was kind of like daffy duck yelling at you. But you know, <laughs> similar. Had that, that deep fear that you'd have from that, you know. Daffy Duck was a superhero, man. He could he could he was bulletproof. Like one time he got shot in the face and just kind of blew his bill on backwards. Like Yes, I remember that. You know, I have to say now that now that you bring that up, our generation appreciated ducks because you had what was it, Darkwing Duck, Daffy Duck, um was the I just had their name. The uh Hockey team, those old ducks. Mighty ducks. Yeah, the mighty ducks. I literally they, they were appreciated. I read just recently that millennials are being called the um, uh, Ducktales generation. If <laughs> you can remember what the cartoon Ducktales was, it means that you're at least uh, a millennial. Up to a million. I forgot about that one, but I definitely remember that now. So yeah, because yeah, I loved Thanks. it. Well, and if you remember correctly, uh, Donald Duck was my favorite. Like all of us brothers, we all had a favorite yep. growing up. Mine was Donald Duck. So you had Barney. I, like, you know, I feel like he was underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Yep. He didn't get. He didn't care. Just no pants, all over the place. Gets kicked out of Poland. Just still does it. Doesn't matter. So. Good stuff. Yeah, I really liked Barney. Yep. That probably says something about me. Which not is surprising good. why how you like ducks now and not chickens because they say that chickens evolved from Tyrannosaurus Rex. Well, it's probably because I have trauma from watching Barney. They don't actually say chickens evolved directly. I have the, I'm going to get... My nephew does. Um, he does? He's. Oh, yeah. I brought something up about dinosaurs. Um, well, actually, I brought up dragons, and he was like, dragons aren't real. The dinosaurs were. And I'm like, how do you know dragons aren't real? You see all these bones, and you just assume they're dinosaurs because that's what you're told, but that doesn't mean that they weren't dragons. Just a trigger And word. he's like, oh, I know. And his mom's an evolutionist and really, really pushes that. They're Christian evolutionists. I don't know how exactly that works when you're trying to teach your kids the Bible and evolution at the same time. I don't think they're completely against each other. I think evolutionary theory isn't a complete picture and 
6,000 year, you know, young creation theory isn't exactly a complete picture either. I think you're somewhere in between. We've kind of touched on that in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just funny because he went off on that and he was like, chickens are related to Tyrannosaurus Rex and they're like modern day dinosaurs. And I was like, yeah, and they're evil little things that'll eat each other alive. They see one little bit of blood and he's looking at me like, what? And I'm like, dude, I've raised a bunch of don't get me started on this. Yeah. Ducks Homicidal. Are, ducks are way nicer. But they came from they came from the duck billed dinosaurs. The, I don't even know how to say them. I don't think that's true. I think ducks were <laughs> a special creation that have been unique since the um, beginning of all existence. So I will stick by that. <laughs> oh. Sorry about that. Um, I'm in a little under the weather today, so I got a little bit of a cough. I'm going to try and keep it to myself. But um, Yeah, and I've been under the weather, too, and I'll cough, and I, I don't have a mute button, so I can't keep it to myself. So I'll try to cough for a little bit. <laughs> or just point the other direction might help a little bit, but it might not. Um, anyways, last week we kind of left off in, well, our podcast about dimensions went all over the place and because i felt like after we did the podcast about dimensions before last week we had more to talk about really just led us to like all over the place and you know at the end i kind of just went it's all connected everything absolutely everything's all connected so that's why these little rabbit trails are going here and there and over there and it's because it's just it's all connected um but well, we left off on dreams, visions, and stuff like that, and I kind of wanted to go a little bit more into that because you've got a little bit more source material this time, and I didn't get to share much of my experience with it because it's a little bit different than yours, um, my personal experience, so I thought we could go into that. Um, do you want to start with some of the stuff that, that you found since then? Or because we went into some of the um, dreams that you had had and, and how we felt that, um, you know, what we thought it kind of meant and the stuff going into it and some of the 20 and back stuff that we talked about. I personally... Yeah, thanks, thanks for traumatizing me more than I already am, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, well, to unfracture those pieces, <laughs> man, you got you to gotta relive it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I've actually, and I've come to a conclusion since then, an actual conclusion through meditation and prayer, that I'm a dream interpreter. Not just that you're what? a dream interpreter. Oh, yeah. Like uh, like Daniel. It, it, it's um, genetic. Right. But not, and, I, and I say that because I've interpreted a lot of people's dreams, like really, really weird dreams. Um, back when I worked at a house of prayer and, you know, people would come and they'd bring a dream and they'd get all these interpretations. And most of them were really like sloppy interpretations that would make people feel good. And then I'd give them like the interpretation and they'd usually do that. I like, I like this one over here. And it would usually turn out to be what I told them, <laughs> um, which, which generally wasn't good. It, it, it wasn't ever anything like super, super serious, but, one of them was with a pretty close friend and I would afterwards, after all these people getting a bunch of slust, including a pastor who's like, I know how to do this. 
like, okay, whatever. And he like looked at me and he said, I don't, I don't think that's it. Like, fine. You can say that, but I prayed on it. This is what I believe I'm being told. And I went to my friend later and I was like, this is the interpretation. Like you need to listen to it because if you don't, this could lead to problems. (laughs) I feel like if it's Um, important enough to be in a dream, especially people who don't have a lot of prophetic dreams, then it's usually not a great thing. That's that's kind of really yeah. yeah. It's usually some kind of a warning, like, "Hey, you need to work on this," and it's a need, you know. Like, well, this is a, it. a crazy thing about dreams, and I, I was going to bring up uh, Joseph. I really felt led to that today, so I marked a couple things about Joseph in the Bible. Um, Joseph was one of Jacob's sons, the youngest at the time. Um, and he had some crazy dreams, ends up in exile to Egypt. And eventually, for people that don't know the story, he's second under Pharaoh by the time the story's done and saves his entire family from famine um, and the entire nation of Egypt. Um, which, if you look into the nation of Egypt, the nation of Egypt was probably the entire known world at the time, mm-hmm. or at least most of it, which was probably most of Africa, most of Asia and most and or all of Europe. Um, you won't find that in your history books, but if you dig a little deeper, you can find information on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the capital may be in the middle of what is now the Mediterranean sea because of right prison sea levels. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of information about that too, but, um, so when you're the second in that, that's like, yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Um, and there were dreams when he was a kid that pointed to that. And then as that unfolds, there's dreams of servants of the Pharaoh. And um, the the point is that sometimes other people have dreams for you to understand things. Um, which is kind of a weird thing. Um and oftentimes you'll have dreams and you'll not get the interpretation. The interpretation is supposed to come through someone else mm-hmm. or someone else will have a dream that you're given an interpretation for. That's for you to understand, not for them, which it's really crazy how it works. Um, because it's not as straightforward as science will tell you where it's like, Oh, it's just your subconscious mind. And it depends on what you eat. It's like, well, yeah, we've all had bad taco dreams, but like, <laughs> And there are the other dreams, you know, and that's more what we want to talk about. Kind of like we talked about last week, other dreams. Yeah. Well, and um, that's kind of why I brought up that Isaiah thing to you the other day. Was that today? Yeah. Um, Yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. My days just kind of blur together when I have to be up and awake for more than the normal time, which is, I think, what I do quite a bit. And, um, so I'll think one day is two days. And so yeah. sometimes I'll be like, yeah, well, yeah. We, we talked about that a couple of days ago and people are like, that was this morning. I'll be like, oh, it feels like days ago. <laughs> You're just a higher being than the rest of us, Mitchell. One day is like three days. That's, I mean, I think that's opposite how it works. That would be <laughs> well, bad. The day is at a thousand years to God. Like you're getting there, you know, you're to three days for one. So, one point you'll get to a week. For some reason, I I understand that backwards, but that's besides the point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
so yeah, so just want to go back into the whole dream things because I've had um, what I would call prophetic dreams. Um, I've had prophetic words for people, and uh, some of them I account to coming from what most people would call God, the you know the Father, the Creator. But I've also had things that I think came from angels, and you know that because I had one personally for you that I just totally did not understand, and then even didn't that didn't even come in a dream. That was just during making yeah. every ordinary lifetime. Um, we should talk about that too—the difference between dreams and visions. That there's really not much of one. And yeah. Let's let's talk about it because you'll probably understand more because that wasn't even necessarily a vision. It was just a really strong thought. And I'll, I'll say yeah, I'll share the, the experience real quick. Um, this is roughly a year ago, maybe a little bit, a little bit more. Uh, I had just gotten my job, you know, one of my first jobs in recovery. And I was just getting around. I had taken my son to school, and it was a little bit. I worked the closing shift, which wasn't too bad. I had to be to work at like noon, so I'd go home, do some stuff around the house, get ready to go. And I was getting ready to go. I just get this overwhelming thought in my head. Tell Lucas about Uriel. And you and I had started to kind of connect again and talk again, but I knew that I didn't have a ton of credibility with you just because of our history. And I'm like, what? Why would I? And I was just starting to get into believing in the whole, like actually, like I believed in it before, but believing that I could be used as the prophetic thing and and stuff like that. And so I just kind of blow it off. And it's like, no, tell Lucas about Uriel. And for people who don't know, Uriel is one of the archangels, which I have more to talk about archangels later in a theory that I'm playing with that I think is something that might be getting taught to me, but I'm I'm not sure. That's why I'm going to share it. But anyway, I get this. Tell your tell Lucas about Uriel for about 30, 45 minutes, roughly. And then I leave for work. You know, I'm, I'm getting ready to go, you know, tying my shoes, took a shower and stuff, this whole time, I just got to thought, I got to tell Lucas about Uriel. I got to tell Lucas about Uriel. And it gets more and more urgent. And so finally, I'm going, okay, you know, this isn't from me. This is from somebody else. And an anger comes with it all of a sudden. It starts to get, like, like angry, and I'm, and I'm driving. And so I just kind of start to respond, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to this person and just say, hey, man, you need to look into Uriel. Like, what is that? What is what is that even? Like, what is he going to get from that? I don't even, I'm like, you, can, you need to give me more. Let me have some credibility when I when I take this to them. I'm like, I'm, I'll do it, but give me something else. Like, no. Tell them about Uriel. That's it. And I'm like, you, why? It's like, that's not for you. Tell them about Uriel. Do it. And I just kept asking and like, come on, please, and, and all this. And then all of a sudden, and I'm, dri- I'm driving, mind you, and 
I just get hit with this, like, somebody is super, super, like, screaming angry at me feeling. And I just start bawling, crying. But there's really no... It's weird because it's like I had this feeling of, like, this person being really angry with me, but it didn't come with any other emotion. Like, I wasn't sad. I wasn't angry. I wasn't this. But I just start just, like, sobbing, like, ugly crying, just tears streaming down my face. And I'm like, what is going on? And finally I was like, fine. Like, I just only can imagine what cars passing by me and driving by because I stopped my car at this point on the side of the road and turned the flashers on. Because I can't, like, see to drive because I'm crying so hard. And I'm like, fine, fine. And so you remember the rest. I send you a message, and it was something to the point of, dude, you got to look into Uriel. I don't know why. I Just you got to do this. I had to tell, or I had to tell you to do this. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what it means, but I have to tell you this. And then the second I get that text message out to you, it all goes away. No more anything. And I'm just like sitting there going, is there anything else? <laughs> you know, like they kind of took me for a ride there, you know. And people can talk about manic episodes and, and stuff like that. This was just, it was just different. And... I've never had an experience like that when uh, meditating or praying with the Father or when, and I haven't talked about this a lot on the podcast because I always have this fear that I'm going to lose credibility, but I don't have any credibility to begin with. So when I've had similar communications with Michael, the archangel, he's much more gentle and kind of playful. Not, I won't say playful, but lighthearted. Um, and controls himself more. And I just got this feeling from what I'm thinking is actually Uriel trying to get me to tell you that you have to look into it. I just got this overwhelming sensation of almost like, almost like a, he went on a little bit of a rant. Like how can like not just against me, but kind of the whole human race. Like there's a, there's almost a disdain there for the human race and not in a bad way. Cause he's still, he's not a fallen angel. He still does his job, but he just has this feeling like, I don't understand how you guys can see creation, have these experiences, know and believe that, you know, the father is the father and the world is, is how it is and still be so disobedient and he can still love you the way he does. Like he's a he's a faithful son to the father, but he's not perfect, you know? He still gets frustrated. He has a frustration with the human race for how we live our lives. And I don't know if you want to share how things kind of went on your side of that. But it was a wild ride for me. Um, yeah, I remember that really well that day, actually. But um, interestingly, I think I've told you this, is 
as far as I am consciously aware, little to nothing has come from that. Right. Which is weird for how significant it was for you. Cause like, I, I don't know, like in the church, they call that like a word of knowledge where there's like something placed in your mind that is very clearly not for you. And it is for someone else is the word of knowledge or word of wisdom. <clears throat> and, um, I've experienced that hundreds of times, especially when I was um, at a certain church where they had an open mic and stuff. And I, I'd get words for the entire church about certain things or for individual people. Um, and it was, there is definitely a feeling that comes with it. I don't, I don't know if it's anger, but again, you might've been experiencing something slightly different than what I used to. Right. Um, I, I was, you know, there's a passage in Jeremiah that says like a word gets put on his lips or on his tongue and he doesn't want to share it because of like how prophets were treated. And if you read about how the prophets were treated, you didn't want to be a prophet. Right. Like, and let me tell you, if, if you're an actual prophet now, you don't want to be a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> because prophets say the things that people don't want to hear. Like, Prophets don't go around saying, hey, bro, you look good today. You know, your hair's great. And, you're, you know, they, they don't go around just to make people feel good. They call people out on the crap that other people won't say. Um, they go to government buildings and start calling out our government for their corruption and things like that. Like, that's what prophets do. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, people try to kill prophets all the time. And that's where Jeremiah was at. And so he's talking about, like, how words put on him and he doesn't want to share it, but how it wells up in him like a fire inside of him. So he feels like he's going to explode and has to share it. Otherwise he feels like he's going to die. And I felt that before. Yep. Cause I was like testing it. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. I really don't know if I should. And I had, I had like three or four confirmations already that I was supposed to say it. And that's a whole other discussion on how to confirm things. But I, I just, I started to feel physically sick and like I was going to blow up from the inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, very, very intense, um, similar to what you're describing. Um, but interestingly, too, like there, there's places all over the Bible where a messenger of God comes and it'll say an angel of the Lord or something like that. Angel just means messenger. Mm-hmm. And so you have this messenger carrying his word, his authority as king. And his spoken word of instruction, correction, whatever it is. And when that angel speaks, he speaks with all of the authority of God and often speaks in first person because it's not him speaking, it's God speaking. He's just the one that showed up to do it for you, which is good because if you're not walking with God, you don't want him to show up and do it for you. You don't see me doing the excitement dance over here, but I told you, you always have a way of guiding me into the things I want to talk about and you're doing it right now. Good because I feel like I'm not answering the question you asked me, but like I had to say this. Well, and Um, I know that one time I talked to you about it and you're like, yeah, I didn't really get much from that. And then one time I asked you about it later and you're like, you know what, actually later thinking about that, it kind of led me into read something and and you read something. And, and so I wasn't sure if that was still a thing or, or not. So maybe I'm, I, I, I could be remembering wrong. It, it did. I, I can't remember what it was. And it might not need um, to be, because I think that's another thing is we don't always, like, once it goes, it, it, it can kind of go, like, 
It's because it's not necessarily your memory. What's happening? You know, yeah. you're you're getting that. A lot of people call it download, the divine download, and you know, so it's it's not your memory. But what you were just guiding me into is, I've gotten into almost a full blown argument with some people that are members of the modern modern day church about why God needs angels. Um, because if everything is just coming straight from God, what are the angels for? Why does he have messengers? Why, if he can just talk to us in our head, what's the deal with angels? Where, where does that all, where does it all lie? Um, cause you're thinking omnipresent, omnipotent, omni, omni, all the omnis, God would be able to just take care of it himself easily. And I mentioned with you, not that I don't think that um, the Father isn't all of those things or something like it, it's 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 possible. But I had this like meditation and prayer time during my drive home the other day, which happens a lot for me. Um, sometimes I'm not even sure how I got home. I just am always like there in my car, and. I just remember all of this meditation prayer stuff that, that I did on the way, which sounds super dangerous, but I'm always home safe. So, <laughs> I mean, no one ever remembers driving home because it, your brain doesn't store it unless something significant happens. So. Yeah. Well, anyway, so I mentioned, I don't know if this was on the podcast or not. I think it was, but, um, when I was, and it's what I think you're going to say it was. Yeah. So it was, we were talking about the 20 and back stuff and that uh, Randy Kramer guy that was on the cosmic disclosure um, the, on the Gaia network. And he was talking about how he's come in contact with the creator races and the most pronounced one are the ones they call the bronze ones. And they kind of are like the first intelligent beings that became space ring and, and just like seeded the rest of the universe and they're the ones that are doing that 20 million year project to get uh like a a head of the quadrant for each part of the the universe yeah they're those ones and physically when they decide because they don't have to be they have a, a spiritual form but they can choose their their bodies that they they show up in. They're not a very formidable power, but they're like an entire race. And if that's the case, and here's where I'm I'm kind of connecting it. If that's the case, would that race then create a race cuz they raise you know, species and races and, and whole planets and stuff to kind of be what they want, which kind of sounds like the story of what happens in the Bible is we're being raised by this creator to become, you know, a certain kind of being. Um, if that race was really good at raising up different kind of different kinds of races and beings, but they were kind of what they are themselves and maybe have some limitations. 
um, would they maybe raise up a race that becomes what we know as the archangels? Because you know, and I know, that the archangels are formidable. Like, in the scriptures, possibly the most powerful force other than the Father himself. Um, from what they talk and what they say about say about them and then what I've had in my own um, astral projection experience, which I can share later. But would they kind of raise these as... Because, I mean, in essence, you know, they talk about the armies of, of heaven and the different lead... I don't want to say legions because that's usually uh, demonic. But would maybe this Godhead race of, of creator beings create this almost warrior race of spirit light beings to be that power for them? Because they talk about how the archangels are the ones that came down and took care of the giants during the flood. It wasn't just the flood. The archangels came down and, and took care of them and killed them. Um and just other things that the actual, the archangels do. Well, I would like to know why, if this, if God is this omnipowerful being, what is the purpose of those? Because I think everything has a, has a purpose. Definitely everything has a purpose. And then there are the scriptures, and I'm, I'm starting to ramble, but there's still more point here. There are scriptures that I'm not good at remembering where... Um, Yahusha, Jesus himself, talks about how when we ascend or transcend or resurrect or however they put it um, at the resurrection, well, we will be either like the angels or more brilliant than the angels. Or I know I've talked with you about this before, so I know you're going to correct my, my verbiage. But just more, more better than than the angels even are. I'm definitely gonna correct more better. Yeah. <laughs> Throw that out there. But my per, my whole thing is I think that the we go back to the beginning where we're a race that's created in God's image is we have this Godhead race. Then we have this race of us where Jesus is the the head and we are the body. So it's actually a race of beings that are being raised to not only be a creator race, but have that light being power of the archangels. Mm -hmm. Because what is currently in existence does not share both. What is currently in existence is a creator race that works together with the powerful archangel race, and they have sworn something, or they have some sort of power over them, and that's how it is now, and what we were was we were created to be both in one. Okay, so... That was a lot. I'm sorry. This three podcasts worth of elaboration. Um, <laughs> I was going to stop you like four different times and I'm not going to remember to hit on everything you just said. So you might have to bring stuff up again. Yes. Um, first thing I want to touch on 
Well, I have a theory, and I think scripture backs this up. This is where I'm at now. I don't know if this is true or not, but I, Isaiah somewhere in Isaiah says that God is an all-consuming fire. Right. I don't know if it says Yahweh, if it says Elohim, the Lord. I, I don't know exactly what it says in the original language right there, um, but it says God, and it's understood to be the Father that it's talking about. And that's probably contextual. I've read through Isaiah a few times. I cannot remember where it is. I know I'll come across it again when I read Isaiah again, try to focus on it a little more. Um, but so if God is an all-consuming fire, I've brought this up before on the podcast. If he's all-consuming fire, you can see that as energy, vibration, whatever it is. But it's all-consuming, meaning that anything that enters it is consumed. Um, and actually, let me go on a little tangent, rabbit trail real quick, because I, I find this super interesting. <laughs> um, Jesus said, um, I, I'm trying to think, I don't want to paraphrase it too bad. Um, something along the lines of, of store up for yourself things that are of silver and gold, like let yourselves be silver and gold, not chaff, because you'll be tested by fire and all of all that isn't precious will be burned away. Um, so your goal as a believer is to be made of silver and gold and precious jewels and things like that. So that when you are tested by fire, you come through the other side of the fire pure. And if there's anything un- impure in you, it's burnt off, but you're still there because you are those pure, precious things. Yeah. Um, there's a few different places in scripture where it talks about that stuff. And it also talks about the wicked being judged by fire and how they will be burnt up and destroyed in fire. Um, so where the it, hell kind of comes from? Well, this this is where it becomes borderline blasphemy for some people and really cool for other people. Um, the lake of fire is talked about in scripture as well mm-hmm. as a never-ending, all-consuming flame that destroys anything that's thrown into it. Hmm. And so I started to come up with this theory and I brought it up to someone else and they were like, yeah, that's what I think, which is super cool. Um, Cause they were already there. So we could just kind of talk about it, but that um, the father is essentially what the Bible calls hell. Hmm. And he is paradise because he is being in his presence. If you are unrighteous, is a burning torture that will completely destroy you because the Bible doesn't teach hell where you like, it doesn't actually teach hell where you live eternally in it and are tortured. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like maybe for a time there's like a holding period that's like that. But at the end, the final judgment, the great white throne judgment, the enemy and all of those that follow him and all of the unrighteous are thrown into the lake of fire and destroyed. So some people could say that's harsh. I say that sounds better than being tortured forever. Sounds more just to me because why would you be tortured forever for 60 years of being a bad person? That's kind of messed up. (laughs) Um, It's a little more complicated than that as we've talked about. But but anyway, just that concept that the father is an all-consuming fire 
when the righteous are thrust into his presence, it burns off any unrighteousness that's in them, and they are left completely pure, and they can just be in his presence. When the wicked are thrown in there, they're completely consumed and destroyed because his presence is that all-consuming fire. So you take that back to creation. Mm -hmm. All-consuming fire cannot interact with creation. Right. Because it will be destroyed. Because it's an all-consuming fire. consumes all. It's kind of the name. Um, (laughs) So, Father has to use others to interact with the creation. Um, John 1 says is in the beginning was the word we talked about this before the logos and the logos was with god and the logos was god so you have the son brought forth from the father who is one with the father um his his yahid is what it says in hebrew which is where they get the term beloved Hmm. but it it's almost the same as like one flesh it's like a term that you'd use for a husband and wife, like they're knit together as one. So say that he comes from the father or is one with the father is like saying they're, they're one in the same, even though they're, are different. Um, I believe the scripture may show a point where he was brought forth from the father. That's blasphemy in both, most churches too. Um, it says he was the firstborn of all creation, so I would assume that means that he was created at some point. Just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. That would have been before everything else, because it says everything else, all things were created through him. So that would mean that that was before all creation. So for all intents and purposes, you know, like he's eternal, just like the Father, but like seems to point to him possibly having a beginning point where he was brought forth out of the Father. Okay, that that foundation laid, and again, this is speculation from my readings in scripture and the revolution and or late night ponderings that may or may not not be true in my head. So, take it with a grain of salt, or let it be true to you. I don't, you know, I don't care. That's what we're here Um, for. That's why we're that's why we're we're sharing this so we can get people thinking. Because the more people who are actively thinking and can be part of the conversation, the more we can actually figure out and understand and yeah. know the truth. And so that's why we do this. You don't see things um, unless you look. So there's a verse in Deuteronomy that I tried to find and couldn't find as well. Um, so everybody go read Deuteronomy. The whole um, thing. Yep. It's a very, it's written like a book of law. So if you're a uh, law student, it'll be very interesting. Um, I actually, after Genesis, it's my favorite book of the Torah. It's the first five books, um, or the Pentateuch, um, first five books of of the scripture. Um, it kind of summarizes all of the law and everything makes it kind of condensed and easier to read and break down. Hmm. Um, but there's a passage in there that talks about how, um, it's not translated well in most Bibles, and you have to go back to, I think, the Septuagint, or there's something in the Dead Sea Scrolls or something. I read something about it where there's a different translation. Um, it was brought up on Blurry Creatures, too, at some point by one of the guys that was on there, um, one of their theologian friends. Mm-hmm. That it, it might have been Timothy Alvarino, because I think it's in his book, too. But it says that L 
meaning the high God, the father of all gods, God, the father portioned out the nations to the sons of God and Israel landed as the portion for Yahweh for Yahweh mm. understood to be pre-incarnate Jesus. Mm. Those people who really look into it. Um, <clears throat> as in like not yet human Jesus, but like yep. will be someday. Um, referred to now as different name because now he sits eternally as a human at the right hand of the throne of father um in a resurrected new form which we're going to get into that too in a second um because that's in second group which is really important um <laughs> so the portion it, it, it says that the nations were portioned to the sons of god which means there are multiple which again, in most churches is blasphemy, but this is what the Bible says. So, well, okay, here's a, just a quick question, not to jump you too far off track. If we're saying the Yahweh, which I've been considering the Father, is actually Yahusha, which the church would understand as Jesus, and the nation would be humans, which the ancient astronaut theorist would call Terrans because they're on Earth, would the other nations possibly be extraterrestrial races? Um, yes, but it's referring in an earthly context in the passage. Okay. So you could confer that. Like, that's the thing is like, the Bible seems to point to many races, actually. And I actually read something today that specifically used the term race. And like, you know, I wonder if we always like the way race is used today, we're like, oh, he's black or he's Asian or she's Hispanic or, you know, whatever. They're white, like they're different races. Well, no, we're all human. So we're, we are technically all the same race because like a different race, it's like a different species, you know, like not, not necessarily, but like, it is, and like I'm not saying that like black people and white people are different species. That is a hundred percent like not what I'm saying. Right. I'm saying we we're the same species. We are human. We are human beings. And maybe when the Bible refers to races, it's referring to different humanoid creatures. Well, there's and if you look at Genesis six and the Nephilim and them breeding with humans and all of that stuff, like that points to that. So when they talk about races that are mixed with these fallen angels, um, which there are different species of angels, there's at least four talked about in the Bible, mm -hmm. which I want to touch on as well. <laughs> you gave me a lot to talk about. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're maybe race is a little bit deeper of a concept than we like to think. Um, I'm not saying I'm, I'm sure like I'm just, it, maybe it is. Um, and again, not modern race theory. I'm talking like looking at the Bible, what it says when it says this race or that race, maybe they're talking about something non-human or only partially human. Mm -hmm. 
um, which is just something to think about. I, I came across in the story of Joseph where it, it's talking about Pharaoh. Um, and if you look back into Egyptian folklore, the pharaohs were often known to have very large eyes um, with strangely shaped heads mm-hmm. and look kind of reptile-like. Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so when it says that the pharaoh found out of Joseph's race, maybe that means something more than we think, you know. Um, interesting. More than um, just because it's also, Israel, you read uh, Jack. Yeah, I, and it was, I mean, it was before, I guess, Jacob was born. So, like, Israel did kind of exist, but, like, it wasn't established as a nation yet. So, right. Um, they were considered Hebrew, um, which at the time, like, I look back at it now, I'm like, at the time, I think Hebrew meant human, pure human. Right. <laughs> and I think the story of Noah points to that when it says he was pure in his generation, so all that stuff. But anyway, I'm, I'm getting even more off on a different topic. So, I'm sorry. Where are we at? What else? What else is dropping? <laughs> <laughs> there, there were two main because you brought up different species. Of, okay, so angel species. Mm-hmm. Angel species and the construction of angels in the Bible versus human beings, which I know sounds weird, but we're made out of different stuff. Right. Literally. And um, so in the Bible, I don't know if, or no, it's talked about in um, Ezekiel. So there are at least three species mentioned, possibly four and maybe more than I'm unaware of. So you have seraphim, teraphim, um, Ophanim, or no, not Teraphim. That's weird idol things, shrunken head idols, not angels. Um, Teraphim, Cherubim, and Ophanim. The Ophanim are the wheels and wheels with eyes all over, which is also translated as glistening or shining all over, which probably makes more sense. Um, we settled on eyes because, you know, why not make the Bible more confusing? Right. Um, those are in Ezekiel, and they're explained better in the book of Enoch. Mm-hmm. So you have those three, and then the watchers are mentioned in Enoch, but also in Daniel. <laughs> so I don't know if Ophanim are ever used by, by name in the 66, but they're definitely described, and Enoch describes the same thing and uses the term Ophanim. Mm. So... You have three, maybe four, distinctly different types of angels. Um, one of the things to think about in the descriptions is that when these, every time angels are seen in the Bible, when they come in the flesh, they look like human men. Right. Every single time. Tall, strong, human men. Yep. Never women. Never naked babies with wings. They never have wings. Actually, they're never described with wings when they come physically. Right. It says that they fly up into the air and things like that, but they, it's, they're never described with wings physically. So in visions and dreams, they're described with multiple faces, multiple wings, multiple, lots of things like that. They're, they're described as these glorious and possibly grotesque creatures, depending on how you look at it. 
Um, but it's probably prophetic iconography seen through a spiritual lens. So it's a spiritual body representing what they really are, mm. not a physical body as in how they actually represent. And that's something to think about when you think about these things. Um, because you might have something with six wings and four faces in the spirit that shows up as a man. Um, but back to species, you have at least three, possibly four with the watchers. The watchers might be one of those other ones, or they might be a separate one mm -hmm. altogether. Um, watchers can also be translated keepers and to keep is to protect and oversee probably a better term, but we don't use the term keep anymore in that way. Um, but to keep something is really to steward it and you're in charge of it. You've been given dominion over something to protect it and help it flourish to the best of its ability. That's really what keeping something means. Yep. Um, so like if I give you my prized flower to keep and I give you the pot and everything and say water it this many times, give it this little fertilizer this many times, and I go on vacation for a month and I come back and you killed it, you didn't keep it. Um, and if I come back and it's dying, you didn't keep it, even though it didn't die. Right. You didn't do it right. Like you didn't do your job, you know? So when it says watchers, <laughs> their job is to oversee and help us flourish. So when they came down and they bred with humans, like that was the exact opposite of what they were supposed to be doing. Well, it shows like I got so mad at Cain when he said that about Abel. Is, am I my brother's keeper? You know, Cain was being rude and saying what am i supposed to keep him alive and that pissed yeah. him off and, well one because god and god's like <laughs> he's like um well he is you are his older brother right so like yeah yes. that's literally <laughs> part of your role yeah. uh <laughs> know why i brought it up uh <laughs> but anyway so four species i just want to throw that out there for the whole like um the seraphim are um, referred to as fiery serpents a couple places in scripture. Which I thought that um, archangels are supposed to be seraphim. I'm not sure. Because archangels, and I'm not sure because of the point I'm about to bring up. So okay. archangels always show up as men when they show up in the Bible. Right. In front of people. Mm. Seraphim are in the spirit, they're six winged fiery serpents. Hmm. Um, which flying snakes are it's called seraphim are actually in Exodus, by the way. You just need to read a proper translation. Um, they come into a land of flying snakes and there's birds that God tells them to release that are a type of bird that eats snakes. Hmm really interesting it's not trans again the bible's not translated well in english all of that stuff's not in there because they like de-supernaturalized the entire bible but like the cockerel is brought up or no cockatrice not cockerel that's a young rooster <laughs> cockatrice which is like a poisonous serpent chicken yep giant poisonous serpent chicken is in the king james bible like because that was a thing that they faced in real life. Um, but anyway, tangent again. Yeah. Um, so if seraphim are fiery serpents, 
what does it mean when you have Satan showing up in the garden as a serpent? What does it mean when God said, you will no longer, or not you will no longer, I will now make you crawl on your belly. We all assume it has legs. Maybe it had wings. Mm -hmm. It lost its wings. Um, Maybe he was a fiery serpent because maybe what we know as Dracos were dragon creatures, winged dragon creatures that lost their wings and now present in human form. Um, And that is actually a race of the serpent in scripture Mm -hmm. that is Satan that is against mankind. I don't know. Kind of makes sense with the things I know about UFOs and stuff in the Bible. (laughs) Right. Um, And I've had that thought about the serpent in the Bible actually being one of these other races um, and then it gets a little hairy between the what was created to be in the garden and what was created to be the beasts of the field. And the field actually wasn't a part of the garden. Like we're talking about two different places. Yeah. Yep. When it's believed that there was the entire earth and then there was the garden of Eden, which was actually a special place on earth quadranted off from everything else that was a perfect connection between the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a wormhole in between. So it was literally heaven on earth. It was where heaven and earth met. Mm-hmm. Um, and mankind was supposed to oversee that. That's what we were given. And that was like, we're, we're pretty much told too that Adam and Eve were made stupid and like, that's not true. Right. Um, there's no way that's true. Like they were made the regent of a dominion and told to fill the earth and subdue it. They weren't told to, <laughs> to fill the surface of the earth, by the way. When it says the earth, it means the surface, underground, sea, the sky, all of it. That is all the earth. And that's what we were given dominion over. And we were given dominion over this connection place between the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. And we messed that up because we listened to a creation that was there before mankind who hated God and hated his image and decided to corrupt us so that we wouldn't be able to do our job. And that he thought he could mess up the whole thing because he knew that through mankind, there was the promise of redemption for all creation, which meant that everything unrighteous would be destroyed. Right. Um, which is kind of crazy, but like, that's what the, um, prophets say. You don't always hear that in Sunday church, but the prophets say that the salvation, like the Messiah coming and dying and rising again, being seated at the right hand of the throne of God. They're like, they saved you from your sins. No, he, he saved you from your iniquity, your transgression and your sin. And if you don't know the difference, look it up. Very important to understand. Yeah, they, um, they kind of paint that as all being the same thing. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people understand it. They're starting to. So, and I'll break it down really quick. Just a simple explanation. Sin is missing the mark. It's when you mess up. Mm. That simple. Transgression is premeditated sin. Mm. So it's when sin becomes a habit. 
it's when like I, I'll use like pornography for instance like sin is a pop-up on your computer that loads real fast not that most of us deal with that anymore but that loads up and it's got a naked woman on it and you look at it and you go oh wow and you exit out and you you know whatever maybe you dwelt on it for a second but then you know like you didn't intentionally go to do that so that's sin. you you failed for a moment you dwelt on it you looked at it longer than you should have maybe you didn't exit out right away because you're enjoying the experience like okay that's what you call sin transgression is now i like porn i'm gonna go look at porn and you go pull up the porn site and you spend a bunch of time looking at porn and that it's become a transgression it's something that's premeditated it's something that you're going to do you're choosing to do mm-hmm. um <laughs> iniquity is a step beyond that the point of character and it literally starts to be set into your dna Iniquity is passed down from fathers to their children. Iniquity is where you inherit alcoholism and other addictive tendencies. Um, it's things like that. So when it says that he came to save us from our iniquity, it means that we can be genetically pure and set free from all anything misleading our genetic line. Anything any predisposition that is harmful to mankind, we can be set free from and our children can then live free from. Um, it's a lot deeper than he came to save you from the, the bad things you do occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but then even beyond that, it's deeper because the prophets say that man through mankind, redemption of the entire creation would come um, come into being through through man. <laughs> and so you have people teaching that the entire creation is based on mankind and it's centered around mankind and that it all has to do with the earth. And it's like, no, it's all of creation, the universe, different galaxies, the different planets, the different races of beings, the angelic beings, that all of it will be redeemed through mankind because of the sacrifice of Jesus and what he did. Mm-hmm. Because of that, we can walk in the proper authority again because we no longer have to inherit. We still inherit by blood the curse of sin or transgression passed down through Adam. Mm-hmm. But through being born again in new birth, we receive the blood of Messiah and we are made new. We are given a new genetic line through his blood. And because his father is the father of all creation, his father is God, we inherit no iniquity through the blood of Christ. Hmm. And so through that and through that authority, we can then start to change things into the proper order of how they were supposed to be and redeem all of creation. That doesn't mean everything's going to come back into proper order. That means some things are going to be destroyed because they're evil. Um, and that's where, like, some of these races, like, there are people out there teaching, like, oh, Satan's going to be saved. And it's like, yeah, probably not. I don't, I don't think that's in the cards there. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all of creation will be saved and it's all said and done once we start to understand this properly and walk in the proper court. Hmm. So, again, long tangent. Do you have anything to say about that? Because I have another thing. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm just going to add real quick. That makes me angry. 
mm-hmm. like finally hearing it that way in the difference between sin, transgression, and iniquity makes me angry that I spent more than half of my current life, almost half now, I'm getting old, um, in a church, Christian church, and not once did I ever hear it explained. And they they made it so simple. And I asked leaders so many times about the more. And I got this wall of faith of there isn't more. It's not that complicated. You just have faith. You just do that. You just, you just, you just, you just. In our creator, you can just look at creation and know that it is so much more complicated than that. Everything is so much more complicated than that. They have made such a, just a, a veil of deception, even into the church. And that's what makes me angry is that there are people who think that they're saving people. They literally say they're being saved and they're being put deeper into deception. Just one that looks fluffier. And they tell you, you'll be saved and you can live a good life. You just have to not cuss and not drink and not cheat on your wife. And if you can do all that, like if you look at porn and stuff, like just don't tell anybody about it. That's fine. Just go do it over there. Um, or if you beat your wife, that's fine too. Just don't tell anybody about it. Make sure she doesn't talk in church. Um, mm. And those are extreme examples. Well, maybe not. Probably okay. not. But Pretty common, uh, yeah. Yeah, sadly, they're, they're pretty, pretty common. But as long as you don't talk about it, you present good in church, it's fine. You'll go to heaven and you'll be raptured before anything bad happens. So it'll be fine. And it's like, where are you getting that crap? Because you're definitely not reading the Bible I'm reading. The Bible I'm reading says that dragons are real, that human hybrids are real, that different sort of chimeric creatures are real, that aliens are real, that there's a spiritual war going on. Spiritual as in the sense of higher dimensional understanding from what we commonly understand in the 3D world, because these other creatures know how to transverse that world mm-hmm. and our job as a species is to get healed from our shit and go fix it all mm-hmm. like that's amazing but that's not what they teach you in church no we're called to be like, like superheroes and the thing is like and that sounds like a daunting task but the whole thing is you get saved you're filled with the holy spirit he starts setting you free from things as you walk through things and you, you learn new knowledge and things. And like, and then you pair up, we have a high commander named Yahusha or Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one of God, the Christ. And that high commander, we work with him and we do what he says. He guides us and he guides us into the battles that we can face that we're strong enough to face, that we have the power to face. He doesn't walk us into things that we can't overcome because he loves us. He cares for us. He, we're not GI that he throws on the front lines to take bullets. Mm-mm. Like we're his brothers. Oh, no, he and, he took the he's the first big bullets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we start stepping out on our own, we can get in some messy situations. Like you have to be careful and you have to make sure you're doing things in proper time, under proper authority, under proper prayer cover. And like, 
I'm starting <laughs> starting to really learn about that stuff and connecting with him to understand the things that you're supposed to walk into and the way you're supposed to pray and things like that. Um, but man, we are made for so much more. And it's like people that tell you like, Oh, you're a gas station attendant. Like you're nothing. You used to be an addict or whatever. It's like, no, you can be an ex addict, which by the way, I don't believe you have to be an addict for life. You can be completely set free. Mm -hmm. Me too. It's really difficult (laughs) to say it in the recovery community, but that is something I believe too. Yeah. Um, but so you can be an ex addict that works at a gas station your entire life and never does anything more, which by the world standards doesn't look like much. People will look down on you for that. I understand. Um, but in the spiritual realm, in the armies of heaven, you can be a commander and a warrior that just like takes down the powers of darkness, like no other even though in the physical, you might not look like much Um, because that's what we're called to, because we fight a spiritual war because the powers that we fight against, like I said before, like they're, they're higher dimensional. They they transcend our three dimensional world in ways that like we're just beginning to understand. Mm -hmm. Um, All of that to say, we go back to, you brought up like a creator race. I'm, starting to wonder when the Bible uses the term Elohim um, because in the Hebrew it uses Eloah Mm. as singular God and it uses Elohim which is plural and last week the week before we talked about a little bit like Elohim can be singular and plural is what they say but like it is plural and Hebrew is pretty specific about that in at the end being plural Mm -hmm. El and Eloah are both used as singular God for the Father. Um, and so, so you said something about Yahweh being, you thought it was always, or you thought it was the Father in Scripture. Um, I think it's both. I think it's kind of used as both um, because of the actual meaning of the Hebrew letters for what it means. And I, I can't remember what it is right now. Um, but like the yod hey vav hey is something like hand behold, nail behold, mm-hmm. or something like that, which roughly translates into like behold the hand that fastens all things, mm. which is what the nail represents, like the fastening of all things. So the hand of the creator, it's kind of like I am who I am, that which statement. blows my mind that that name was brought up in the Torah and then Yahusha Jesus was crucified the way that he was. Well, if you want to be more amazed, the Hebrew, paleo Hebrew, especially at least of Yahusha or Yeshua, however you want to pronounce it. <coughs> um, I'm going to butcher this because there's more letters. I don't always remember what they are. It's like Yod, Hey, Vav, Shin, Ayin, I think. And it's like, hands behold. Um, oh, what is it? The Shin represents three nails. Mm. That's the main point. 
and there's the hands representing the, the hands pierced and the three nails that nailed him to the cross. Mm-hmm. So you have a variation of the name of Yahweh. The, the first half is the same. The second half is marked by three nails instead of one. Mm-hmm. So instead of having the one mark of the creator who fastens and secures all things, you have the three nails representing the cross that he bore and the two nails through the hands and the one through the feet, which is just even more amazing. Like it also, I think it's in this front of the separate. Um, I think he goes through that pretty well. Or he's got, at least got writings on it. I'm just going to pull a rabbit trail out of this for a second. And this is kind of what okay. we've been doing. It's like we can, we can pick topics for each podcast, but it's like, we've got one, each episode is just a continuation of the next podcast. We just go someplace else and just points that direction for the next one. And it's totally fine. There's this thing that happened recently. I don't know how recently it was. Um, the, I'll get more details on it, but it's a video and it's a reel that's being shared across social media. And these people think, or this this guy thinks, that he found the tomb of Jesus Christ, Yahusha, in the dried blood, and it in you know at the Golgotha near Jerusalem, like all all of it, everything points to that this could be it. From what is said, this really could be it. And there was what they thought was dried blood. And he took it to a laboratory and asked them to do tests on it. And they said, okay. And he asked them to reconstitute it. And they're like, well, if it's as old as you think it is, then, you know, and, and they, they dated stuff and it dates back to the right time and stuff like that. Uh, and I don't have all of the information, but there's this video and I think I saved it. I might try and send it to you somehow. And so they asked him. To, I've, he asked. I've seen it. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And and they he asked them to reconstitute it, and like they like where they put it in saline and stuff like that. And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, it's dead. You know, once blood dries, it's dead. And whatever. Well, they reconstitute it, basically rehydrate it, and it becomes living red and white blood cells. And then not only that, they can get the full. Um, basically genetic, not genetic code, but because I don't know how it's pronounced, but or exactly the terminology, but they can actually find. Yeah, I out. think it is genetic code because they can, they can tell, they can see the chromosomes of the mother and father to tell if it's male or female. Right, and so they found out that it was male, and it got the male chromosome from the mother, which is a possibility. Um because of how the, the mother can do it. And there was no father side physically because of the amount. It was amount. a complete genetic code. Yeah. But it was. It was a complete genetic code, but it was because of the amount of parts of the genetic code or something like that. It was, it wasn't, it had half as many because there was no physical father to it. And then this blood this is like the magical part, but it literally became living cells again when reconstituted in saline. And they're like, blood doesn't do that, but this is blood. It has genetic code and has all the information and all of this stuff. And it's like, 
I was telling somebody, I think at one of our, our weekend meetings this week about it. And they're like, they're <laughs> religious. And they're like, that's, it's ridiculous. Like, it's a story that I would like to believe, but it's, it's ridiculous. Like, how can it be alive, live blood after thousands of years? And I was like, isn't that kind of Jesus's thing? <laughs> like, like he's alive. <laughs> like, you know, he, he, they tried to kill him and, and, but he's still alive situation. Like that, that's kind of, that's kind of his deal. Like that's kind of his story. Like, like you don't have to believe any of this other stuff that I'm working on here, but you're religious and you believe in God and Jesus and the Bible. And so you believe that he came back from the dead and is alive, you know? So I'm like, it just, it blows my mind. So could it all be made up? Sure. It really could be. But that fantastical adventurer side of me tries to believe that it's not. But what did you think of it when when you saw it? Did you go, oh, yeah, this is kind of nonsense, or there's something to it? Um, It's interesting. Um, I actually heard about it a few years ago, and then a few months ago I was at a meeting, and the guy showed it, and... Um, my wife didn't really like it because she's like, why are we watching this video and not like being together like we normally do at these meetings? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and somebody brought up some issues um, with the video because of the way that the guy who found it described his visions and the way that he saw angels and stuff didn't or like the because he also claimed he saw the Ark of the Covenant and he got the blood off the Ark of the Covenant and stuff like that. And his description of the Ark of the Covenant didn't necessarily align with the description in Scripture. Right. But again, this is people coming from an understanding of only English Scripture, which may not be translated properly. So, I don't know. Um, But I wasn't sure what to think (laughs) after that. Um, it's interesting. It aligns completely with the story of the gospel, right? Um, and the resurrection, and the one parent, and only the the mom's chromosomes. It's really interesting. Um, and if it is true, like that's absolutely amazing. Also, if it's true, like why aren't we using that for modern medicine? Um. Instead of using aborted fetal cells, when we could be using the living blood of the Messiah, but I digress. Well, that's because <laughs> the enemy, we'll just call him that, the opposition, wants to do it themselves. They don't want to use the Creator's creation. You know, they they want to try to figure it out themselves. Even though, I mean, and that's a deception on their part too, because everything that is here is the Creator's creation. But whatever. Beside the point, so they don't want to use Yahweh or you know his creation because they hate him so much. So they're going to try to figure it out on their own or abuse his creation to figure it out. Is kind of how I feel about it. But well, and if you got something with a like some sort of infusion with a trace amount of the blood of Messiah, like you might be healed from every single issue you could ever have. Well, and that doesn't make me want any money. So, yeah, exactly. Well, there's got to be a finite amount of it. Probably reproduce it somehow. 
I mean, that's... but then that gets into weird stuff too. I don't know. I don't like modern medicine, so the, yeah. even the thought of taking it and trying to do something with it kind of bugs me. So I guess I'm. My point is just with all the things that we take and we call medicine that's actually like poison and hurting people. Mm-hmm. Like a small dose of the blood of Messiah might like heal everything because that's pretty much what Scripture says. And like spiritually, you can get dosed with the blood of Messiah, mm-hmm. and that's how people get healed from a lot of things often. Mm-hmm. I have experiences of like a, a blood transfusion kind of thing spiritually, and then they're like healed. Either way, it doesn't really matter. It's really interesting. It could be complete hoax, but if not, like I'd like to believe that it's not. But I know we went on a couple of rabbit trails there, and I feel like you had more to talk about my my creator race rant. rant. Um. And we, we, you covered a lot of what I said, which was impressive because <laughs> I gave you, I gave you a lot in one little drop there. It wasn't one little drop. It was a gush, but whatever. Um, so what, what are your other thoughts on that? Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit more on that. And, um, I forgot I wanted to touch on like the construction of humans versus angels too. So I'll try to touch on that real quick. Yeah. Um, I do want to apologize to everybody because, like, we're both sick and we've both been coughing, and it doesn't make for the best podcast. But bear with us. It's, Thank you I, for listening. I, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for understanding, realizing we're human. We are human. We promise. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um. So the creator race thing. I, I was talking about Elohim versus L in the Bible. And so, like, Genesis 1 starts with Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. If we go back to that whole, like, um, the father portioned out the nations to his children. Well, that points to multiple gods. Multiple Elohim. Right. Not well, Elohim, as in plural. And so, when it says Elohim created... And it says in in John 1 that all things are created through the word. And he goes on to elaborate that the word was Jesus, Yahusha, the Messiah who came. So if that's true, it could have been like a coalition of beings led by reincarnate Jesus. Like a galactic federation? No. I don't know, you like that Galactic Federation thing. Um, I think that's a conglomerate of lesser beings. It's possible. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I just don't have understanding of it yet. You won't watch the show. When I think, <laughs> well, I, I looked it up this week, and they want to do a seven-day trial. I'm like, then they're going to charge us afterwards because I'm going to forget. And then the wife's going to be like, why are you buying stupid crap? <laughs> I might at some point I might get there um, so anyway so what I mean is like when I say coalition I mean like like you said it might be like a race of creator beings the sons of God you have the high king the ruler the leader who is Yahweh Yahusha Jesus Yeshua whatever you refer to him as 
And again, you have the father who is all consuming fire who can inter- interact with creation after it's made because he would destroy it. So he interacts with these beings. Not he would destroy it as an actively. Like it can't interact with him because it's not perfect. Um, it would get destroyed. Once it's perfect and it is perfected because of mankind fulfilling what they were created to do at that point, you might enter into creation. Because if you look at Revelation, when it says that the Father comes down to the New Jerusalem, it sounds like it's the first time he's entered creation. It's really interesting. Mm. Um, So the all-consuming fire might come down at that point and enter into creation because it's perfected, and anything that's perfected won't burn away in his all-consuming fire. It's interesting to think about. Mm. So you've got this greater race, potentially this greater race, who created the world, and that's why it's plural. Um, it also said, let us make mankind in our image. That could be a plurality of a creator race, making beings, mankind, in their own image. Well, Genesis 2, and it, it's thought that Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 have different writers. Mm-hmm. Most people like to think that Moses wrote all of it, but there's proof that it may not, that might not be that one might've been added later on. Um, I think it was Genesis one might've been added later on from a different understanding, different viewpoint. Um, but in Genesis two, you have Yahweh and Yahweh creates man. And in Genesis one, it says that Elohim creates male and female. Mm-hmm. And that's, a rough translation from the Hebrew to the English because there's there aren't good translations. Mm-hmm. Um, the language doesn't translate very well, like most languages. But in so you have male and female, and in Genesis two, it uses the Hebrew terms for man and woman. Um, and some people find distinction there that it might be two different races that we're creating. Hmm. Um. Don't know what to do with that, but it's interesting. You, you might have, and that might be where the whole Hebrew thing comes in too. Um, that might be why when Cain kills Abel and is cast out of his people, his siblings and parents at that point, he goes into a different land and goes and lives with other people. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, who are they? That's one of those things I asked in church and they're like, well, his relatives. Like, well, when did they move and make a city? They've never brought that up. That seems like it would be kind of important. Like, yeah. you know, Cain and Abel's brother Dave went and made a city over here. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think um, that would be kind of a point to put in there. But no, there's nothing in there. And all of a sudden he gets kicked out and he goes and lives with other people. Like, that's kind of weird. That's, um, where, that's where I go with the field and the garden thing. Where the field is this area of the earth or existence somehow that's already populated with other life. Mm-hmm. Maybe left over from before that formless and void, desolate, destroyed situation that I keep going back to. Like they're yeah. the they're sur- survivors of that, maybe. And then this new creation is the Eden that's been placed inside somewhere. Um, I don't have any full, like, actual thoughts on it, but 
Eden is actually speculated to have been on or around Mount Hermon or Hermon, where the watchers came down. Right. Which at the base of Mount Hermon is the ancient satanic temple called the Gates of Hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's believed that the Transfiguration was on top of Mount Hermon when Christ presented himself in his glorified state and said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that I will build on this rock. And, you know, the Catholic Church says this about Peter. Um, but it very well might be Mount Hermon and that at the top of Hermon, it's, it's long been considered a portal. There's a lot of occult activity that happens up there. There happens to be a... Uh, is the United Nations base mm. on top of her bone now? Mm-hmm. Pencil, you know. Um, but it's been considered a portal for thousands of years by people, a place to meet with the gods. Um, and it's believed that that might have been Eden and why all the occult stuff happens there because they're trying to enter Eden because Eden was the connection between heaven and earth. Mm. And so that Eden... Um, people think they're going to find where Eden was and they're like no because Eden is like its own realm that is the connection between heaven and earth right um, so it was like when Adam entered the garden of Eden he was still on the earth but he wasn't because he like stepped into the realm of Eden that was you know, it's probably like that whole idea of like you step into a room that from the outside looks like it's like 10 by 10 but on the inside it's like hundreds of feet in either direction. Yeah. Um, probably that sort of concept. Yeah. I've heard, um, uh, people have talked about UFO experiences where they, you walk up to something that's 30 to 45 feet across and you walk in a hatch and then you're in this massive football sized room that has rooms off of it. Hmm. Yep, and that's how UFOs are actually supposed to be so good at just like underwater and just like keeping pace and then going up and can outmaneuver aircraft and turn on a dime. It's because they're actually in their own pocket dimension or realm or something, and so air aerodynamics and hydrodynamics don't matter. Because of this yeah. dimension that they have around them, and then they have pocket dimensions inside of them. So, yeah, I've heard similar things. That's why they like don't splash when they go into the water, or out of the water, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because they're not actually moving through physical space, even though they are occupied, like they're in physical space, but they're not interacting with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to touch on one more thing before I lose my voice. Um. Cause I said I was going to like three times that's in second Baruch. Um, Baruch is talking, I think it's to Uriel, um, which is interesting because a couple of the prophets talk to Uriel, including Enoch and Uriel kind of sounds like an asshole. Kind of like you said. Yeah. Um, that like happened before like I knew that people. too. Yeah. <laughs> It's ironic because that kind of helps point to that. But um, 
it, interactions with different angels seem to be much more pleasant. Mm-hmm. Where Uriel seems very to like straight to the point, and like he's frustrated by the questions human ask, humans ask because we're very intuitive and inquisitive and want to know things. Mm-hmm. And we're like, "What's this? And what's this? And what's this?" And he's just like, "Why do you care about that? <laughs> Don't you know what that is?" And it, they're like, "No, what is it?" And, and like he just seems frustrated and like he doesn't want to deal with people. Speaking spoken to. I, yeah, and it's almost like that. But then he's like, I was sent to talk to you, so I guess I have to talk to you. Um, <laughs> it's just, just kind of funny, but like that's kind of how it comes off in Baruch sometimes. Um, and so Baruch is interacting, and I don't remember how it comes up. There's a couple things that he asked, and it's like, that's not for you to know. And that's just the answer. Yeah. Um, but he, he asks about what are our resurrected bodies will be like. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to explain the angels and the angels and humans. And it's something along the lines of like, angels are made of spirit and fire. And I think there might be a third there's something like that. And that ex- that's why they interact with the creation the way they do. Mm. Um, which spirit would be wind or breath. So like the breath of the creator of the wind and fire. And then man is made out of flesh, blood and bone, but in their resurrected form will be made out of, um, spirit, water and bone. Huh. And so we'll be able to interact differently with creation than we do now, like you see resurrected um, Yahusha or Jesus interacting with creation, um, where he appears in a locked room and things like that. Um, and yet they touch him after that. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're talking about a, just a spirit, you know? Right. Um, but so there's a differentiation there in Baruch where it's saying, um, cause that's one of the passages where it talks about us being of like glory or greater glory than the angels mm-hmm. and being able to change our form to any form of beauty and loveliness that we want to and things like that. Um, which is just interesting because it, it points to like, so there's a reason that angelic beings, higher dimensional beings, whatever, you know, sons of God, however you want to refer to it, seem to be able to interact with the 3D world differently than humans. Mm-hmm. But humans in their resurrected form will be different than the angelic beings, but will also be able to interact with the 3D world in a different manner, in a similar manner as the angelic beings, but are said to be even greater in the way that they are created. That's um, well, which kind of goes back to what you not to interrupt you, but that's uh, this is just real quick. That's what this Randy Kramer talks about these uh, creator races. He says that they get to choose what their 3D bodies, are basically how they're put together. Like ours are genetics and somewhat evolution and and you know what we're we're given. The, you know the the luck of the draw pretty much with genetics, but when they get to have a, a physical bodies they get to put together and he doesn't call them he, i have to figure this out because you know how i don't like to call them chakras but i believe in them he had a different term yeah. for him that was really good 
because they they get to they get to choose that setup. They get to choose the organs that they have and how they work and what they're what they're made out of and and the configuration and and what it looks like, you know. And so it kind of what you just said just kind of confirms what he was saying too. Yeah, and it can kind of confirms what you were saying earlier about how there's like the creator race and then there's a angelic race that are like their warriors or their servants in some way. Mm-hmm. And then they're trying to like make the perfect race. Um, like I said, I think there's something, be- if that's true, if there is this creator race, I think there's something beyond that. That is the father. Mm-hmm. And that either the creator race are his sons brought forth from him <laughs> and Jesus being the first and the most glorious of all of them or him being a special sort of creation from the father and then the others being lesser underneath him. But either way, that's how he interacts with creation because that's how he talks to man through angelic beings. Um, even now, like I know you've been challenged on that in church circles that like, Oh, well, why was he, why would he need angels? Okay, even if he doesn't send an angel to talk to you, he speaks to you through the Holy Spirit, right? Right. That's what people believe in church is that when you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit and that he speaks to you directly through the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not the essence of the Father himself. Like, that, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's separate. He's still interacting with his creation separate from his true complete form. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it's an angel or it's through the Holy Spirit, like it, you know, whatever, he's still using a separate means to interact with creation. He's not interacting directly, right? Um, and John, the Book of John says that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Mm. Um, Jesus says it in the Book of John. He says he's going to send a helper. He says like spirit will come to you and then he says i am leaving i will come to you like he emphasizes it over like three chapters i think it's Mm -hmm. 14 through 16 where he he's like really laying it down to the disciples it's like right before he's crucified it's at the last supper he's like i'm gonna say this like three times so you really understand what i think and he gets more specific as he goes on until like i know with trinitarian belief it's that they're all separate, but they're all the same. Well, to they're be not. fair, the like, disciples sometimes had a little bit of a problem catching on to some things. So he was like, I'm going to say this slowly multiple times. <laughs> so you understand. And there was a couple times in the Gospels where Jesus got a little annoyed. Like with... Yeah. um he was off doing something else, and I don't know where it is, you'll know. But when he comes in and says, they're like, we can't get the demon out of the sky, and we don't know what to do. And Jesus is like, well, it's because you got to fast and pray for this one. And he's like, get out, go into the swine, off the cliff. And then he's literally like, in, in my head, this is what I heard. What the fuck are you guys going to do when I'm gone? Like, you need to start getting this a little bit (laughs) you know like i'm trying to teach you and obviously that's putting in a sport and whatever but it's like that's 
the vibe you get from that conversation. Like, come on, guys. You know this one. We went over this, you know? So. Yeah, I don't know if I ever got that vibe out of that one. Uh, I definitely got an an agitation for with what he said, you know? That was also two different stories, by the way. It's different. It's Legion wine, and that's a different thing. But um, (laughs) that's a cool story, though. Yeah. Um, he definitely got frustrated with the uh, Pharisees quite often. He called them a brood of vipers. Um, he called them many other things that you would not say to a so-called holy man, generally. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, one of my favorite stories, and I, I was at a men's group last week, and we read the passage in Matthew where he drives the, uh, he calls them money changers or something out of, which I, I don't mean what's money changers. You like transform money into something else. Mm, alchemists. Um, yeah. <laughs> you give them coins and they turn them into doves for you. Um, and they were selling sacrificial animals in the temple and stuff like that. And he goes in and he flips their tables and drives them all out. Well, in one of the other gospels, it says he fashions a whip. He sees them in the temple and then he fashions a whip. And then he goes and drives them out. So and that, that shows that he is the father. He's like, all right, get me a switch. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because I always think about that. And I'm like, I see it going one of two ways. And either like he sees it and he's like, I'm done with this shit. And he like reaches out and like opens a little door in space. And he just like reaches up and grabs like a handle that you can't see and like opens this little cabinet and reaches in and pulls on a whip. <laughs> <laughs> or he went to a leather worker and he bought leather and he sat outside the temple and over a few hours made a whip. <laughs> Which let me tell you, the second one's a scarier prospect. You have the son of God seeing what you're doing taking hours of intent out of anger, righteous anger, righteous indignation going, Oh yeah, you're going to pay for this crap. Like you're done. Just a look and on his face in. the whole time. He's sitting there weaving the whip. Cause those things, you know, the whips were like woven kind of, or like braided ish. And he's sitting there doing, and he's like talking under his breath. Like son, this wasn't how it's supposed to be. It's blasphemy. Father's temple, just and he's like looking up every time with his mad look on his face. Like you're gonna get it in about an hour when I'm done with this. <laughs> and that, let me tell you, the disciples are probably standing to the side right then, really not go, knowing what's going on. Like, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what are we watching right now? <laughs> but all that to say, he wasn't the meek, mild man that most people make him out to be. Like he knew when to stand up and to do things, and he was a powerful man. Who could step out in power when he needed to. And yet he was loving and caring and he healed people and cared for widows and children. He had the children come and sit on his lap while he was teaching them. Mm -hmm. And like, they loved him, you know, and at the same time, he'd stand up to the corrupt and drive them out of the temple and take time to fashion a whip. Yep. Pure masculinity. Always amazing. Pure masculinity instead of toxic masculinity. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know, what's up with the fig tree, man? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, why'd he curse the fig tree? 
because it wasn't very true in season. But he could have just as well have touched it and caused it to bear fruit. Why would he cause something to bear fruit when it's supposed to bear fruit on its own and it's not doing its job? That literally just made sense in my head when you said it for the first time. (laughs) You know how, how much of Google I've combed looking for this answer? It's super easy, and I'll explain it really quick because it doesn't have to take a long explanation. So he has, Jesus himself shared parables of um, vines, the vine and the branch and things like that, and he said that any vine that is not bearing fruit will be cut off and thrown into the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, the prophets also have different things to talk about trees and fruit and vines and all, all that different stuff. Um, so it's kind of a compilation of those things, and I don't even remember where I don't think I ever heard a teaching about this. I just like learned about all the other stuff and read it one day. I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. I see it now. Um, comes across the fig tree. Figs. I guess I'm not an expert on fig trees, but from what I've heard, when fig trees come into leaf, they produce fruit. So in the spring, when they produce leaves, they also produce their fruit. So if there are tree or leaves on the fig tree, like fresh green leaves, they're supposed to be fresh fruit. Hmm. So when he sees a fig tree with leaves and no fruit, it's a bad tree. Well, and that goes to the the servants that get the different amount of talents, and the one buries them, and the other ones invest them and get, and get more. So it's kind of yep. like a, a conglomerate of all of them. And I have this is another thing, dude. This is like the craters on the moon for me. This rattles around in my head, and I haven't been able to understand this, this for this has been like. Well, a good part of this year I've had this where I read that story because I read through the Gospels, and I'm like, why? Why would he do that? Because even I think the the disciples were like, what? And it, it kind of paints that picture of the disciples are like, why would you do that? And he's like, because it didn't bear fruit. And that was it. That's all that's there. And I'm like, where is this coming from? But that makes so much sense the way that you just said it. And mm-hmm. it kind of, and it, that, that directly equates into what we were talking about, the all-consuming fire and with the, the righteous thing and the wicked being burned away and all of the other, every single parable he's ever told. <laughs> and yep. It just, it just makes sense. And that just blows it open for me. Like that, that's, that's crazy. And it, something that's funny to me is that it, Harkens back to the story of uh, Jonah, mm-hmm. where you know, Jonah gets consumed by a great creature of the abyss. Um, it wasn't a whale, mm-hmm. and I mean, I guess it could have been a whale, but that's not what the Hebrew implies. Mm-hmm. It's some kind of great sea creature, and the sea represented the abyss. And then he says, why have you abandoned me to Sheol when he's in this creature, meaning he has died? Yes. Um, so the story of Jonah is his death, his burial in the abyss, and then his resurrection to go preach the good news. Mm-hmm. It's literally what it is. So when Jesus says, I, I will give you nothing but the sign of Jonah, it, it's a lot more significant than what most of us were taught growing up. Yeah, when I read um, through Jonah this summer, I realized that all of the prophets had depression. Like every single one of them. <laughs> especially Jonah. 
And then I realized that he died in it. And I was like, they didn't teach me in that Sunday school. <laughs> right. That just, you know, I learned that a couple of years ago and I was like, that's infuriated. Yep. Cause they never taught me that he died. It says it pretty clear. If you understand a little bit about what he's saying, it's, it's pretty clear. Like you don't go to shale alive. Yeah. Like that, that's how that works. Like even so, in, when the story with the resurrection of Christ, like when he goes to Sheol to declare victory, it's that it's while he's, he's dead. dead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he takes the keys of death and Sheol at that moment um, and rises triumphant in, back into life and a resurrected body. Like, yeah. And that's, it's because he's dead. That's like, and there's actually speculation by some theologians that like he had to die to enter into Sheol to rise victorious out of it. That even as the son of God, he couldn't go there as a living human. Um, once he was in human form, he had to die to go there. Um, but anyway, that, that goes off into a more of a tangent. What I was getting at was the tree and Jonah because Jonah is, he goes and preaches to Nineveh and he goes up on the, the mountain on the side of it and he's like watching the town and he's thinking the next day he's going to watch God just like destroy it. Mm -hmm. And he complains because the sun's really hot because Jonah's whiny the entire time. And <laughs> Jonah never has a change of heart, by the way, like you read the whole story and he just like, I wonder why God chooses some of the people he does. Sometimes. Well, it gives us some of his hope, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But so he grows up this tree they give him shade and then Jonah falls asleep and he like, I think it's the next morning or something. He wakes up and the tree's dead. <laughs> Completely withered, gone. And now he's in the hot sun again. And he's like, what the heck? And I, I don't remember what God says to him, but like, I always thought that was weird. And it takes me to the whole fig tree thing. And it's like, I think he was giving Jonah another chance to like have a repentant heart. Yeah. And because he didn't, he's like, all right, you don't get shade either. Like, you're not bearing fruit, so I'm not going to give you shade. Right. Um, and it goes back to the fig tree. It's like it, it was supposed to be bearing fruit. It wasn't. It wasn't doing what it was supposed to. And it was mature. That's the thing. Is like it had to be a mature tree to bear fruit. And if it was mature and in leaf and not bearing fruit, then it was bad. And um, there's just so much significance to that for us. No, it really does. It makes so much more sense now. I'm glad that I brought it up, and I'm glad that everybody could hear me, like, piece it together because I literally have combed, and I, I and there, are, there are explanations about it online, and none of them made sense, and I don't even remember them all because I read so many, and I'm like, this is stupid. This is not, doesn't make any sense. But the way that you just put it, it's like, oh, that literally makes sense, and it connects to so many other stories Old Testament, New Testament, just, just, it just makes so much sense. Well, that, uh, here's a kid I got from that Bible college I went to, you know? <laughs> well, with that sarcasm, I think we're going <laughs> to wrap up the episode for tonight. Um, but I th we definitely left some loose ends to tie up next time. We never actually tie them all up, but, um, you got anything to close off the episode with Luke? Uh, no, not really. Um, thanks everybody for listening. Um, there's something I was going to ask people to bring up, but I can't remember now. 
like if they knew something about it, I was going to ask people to comment or send you messages or something. But I can't remember what it was now. If you guys know anything so, about anything that we said in the podcast, message us and ask questions. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> On any of the platforms you're looking at. <laughs> if you want to write up in text everything we said and every other possible meeting of every word we used and send it to Mitchell, that would be great. Do it. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, we're going to say see you next time. And I'm excited, man. Like This has been great. See you later, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Redacted Recover Your Mind podcast. For more episodes, click the link in the description.